doctors are declaring <laughs> is that there is a, a sickness on the inside of her that could cause her to never have children. How many of y'all know that's a lie from the pit of hell? And I refuse to believe it. For the Bible says, whose report shall I believe? I shall believe the report of the Lord. And I just heard God speak this to me, Casey, that this womb shall never be barren. It shall never be. And I'm even going to go as far as to say when you get there on Tuesday, the doctors are going to try to figure out what happened. Because the thing that the doctor has said, God says, that's not my report. That's the enemy's report. And this is not because I'm your sister. I'm, I'm your brother. I'm not your sister. Hold on. It's not because I'm your brother. It's because the Spirit of God is speaking to me right now. And He says, deliverance is yours. Healing is yours. Because you, my daughter, are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Now, Father God, stretch your hands right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to this sickness. And I declare healing right now. Father God, let me be a catalyst. Let me just be a conduit of your anointing. Let me just be a, a middle point, Father God. That your anointing would flow through my hands, God. And into her body, God. In the name of Jesus, I speak to this womb. I speak to her body parts, Father God. And I declare in the name of Jesus, line up by the word of the Lamb. By the word of God. For the word of God says, by His stripes you were healed. Therefore, the healing is yours. And we declare it. Now, Father God, we seal this healing by the cross, by the blood of the Lamb that was shed upon that cross. Father God, we just declare it now.
you can make your way back to your seat. Make is in a good mood. Okay, about three of you know that. That's a really good start. He really is. He's really excited that you're here. He's really positive. He's not worried about what's happening in the Middle East. He's got it all under control. A lot of people are you know, really into that positive stuff. I said, what, what are you really into? <laughs> if you're not into one, you're into something else. <laughs> hey, um, real quickly, I have um, some product here, and on my way to the bathroom, I felt <laughs> the Lord speak to you anywhere. <laughs> You know, we say we're evangelical, but sometimes we have trouble believing that God speaks to us everywhere we go. <laughs> we'll think about that later. Thirty <laughs> percent uh, off on my products. I just really feel like I want to get in your hands, and um, I don't know how that works, but it's whatever it costs out there, it's thirty percent off. <laughs> uh, walking in the supernatural, the normal Christian life. I, I really this is one of my more important series. But I get excited when I preach this. Um, difference between uh, somebody who walks in a consistent life of miracles and someone who doesn't is um, is not their education, is not what church they go to, it's actually what's right between their ears. <laughs> the mind is a terrible thing to waste. An unrenewed mind is even worse thing to waste. See, he's given us this prophecy and it's that everybody in this room, how, how many people believe that he is the son of God? then you're eligible for this prophecy. It is that they'll do greater works. But it's just a prophetic word. It's just a nice promise that you can just say amen to unless you live it out in reality. Truth to me is not truth until you actually live it out. That's called the American church. <laughs> we, we sometimes celebrate that we have a nice statement of faith and Jesus is celebrating a way of life. So does anyone want this? <laughs> there you go. Bless you, my brother. <laughs> and uh, real quickly, is this only believe? <laughs> He said to only believe and you would speak to things. It was really important what just happened a minute ago um, because it's often uh, the, the certain things don't happen in the kingdom until you actually release them by, uh, actually nothing really happens in the kingdom until you release it by the word of his power. And it begins to create and shape the world that you live in. <laughs> How many want to live in a different world? <laughs> start speaking differently, because um, it's not necessarily, yes, there's power in words, but there's something around what comes out of your mouth, is what comes out of your mouth is really what's in your heart, and what's in your heart is what you actually have your faith wrapped around, and God can only respond to faith often, that's part of the currency. So, only believe the issue of revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation being poured out in this hour in a very unique way, and uh, we're actually becoming an answer to our own prayers. Part of the process of prayer is actually to make you the person that can answer the prayers that you're asking God. Does anyone want this? All the way there in the back, just come up and get that. Anyways, um, it, right there. So, yeah, yeah, it was you, I think. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, and uh, if you just want more information on our ministry, it's back there. It's about all I'll say about that. Our, you can sign up also for uh, just free updates from our ministry. Our website is um, uh, just my name, because I couldn't think of anything better. 
Okay, I got one hour. Uh, this might not all make sense, but I'm just going to kind of go for where God wants to take me this take. I feel like God wants to bring this this morning, and I feel like the Lord wants to declare some things this morning. And so if I get through everything, um, I'm not sure about that, but um, God has a really good way of wrapping a bow around everything he wants to do. And I believe uh, at the end, if, if, we, if we can get there, I believe that the Lord wants to uh, bring people into some life-changing encounters with him this morning. There's, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lord, let's just, uh, let's just uh, lift our hands and just welcome. We, he's already here. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for the honor of just standing between God and man. And Lord, I need your help. So um, as your son, I just say glorify your son Jesus through my life this morning. And let, uh, let your words be put in my mouth. And thank you for an open heaven. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for <laughs> all the angels that I see here. They're really nice, Lord. And so come, Holy Spirit, greater ways. Um, I just declare that I'm sowing the word on good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you about uh, about the subject of the kingdom. And normally, you know, they say believers are going to do signs and wonders. So I'm going to give you about four hours of teaching and hopefully about 45 minutes. <laughs> I can do it. I've done it before. But I want to speak to you about a larger subject of what I believe that the intention of God was always and how it relates to, I believe, what's happening here. And if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to move quickly. So if you don't get there... Um, uh, more than email our ministry and we're more than happy to send out our notes. Uh, Genesis 1, verse 28. I believe that good theology runs from Genesis to Revelation and through the cross of Jesus. I don't. Um, I think that, generally speaking, uh, a lot of times we in evangelical circles dismiss the Old Testament, not realizing that there's much in there and that um, God didn't give the Old Testament because he liked rules. Um, Because the one he gave the rules to, he spoke to face to face. And um, often what, what Jesus came against was a system that was created around the rules. That's called religion. But he wasn't against his own law. Why would David say, I meditate upon your law day and night? The law was given for people's good, and, and that's all I'll say about that. But Genesis 1, verse 28, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, using all its vast resources in the services of God and man, and have dominion over the, this is God speaking to man, by the way, over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. The word subdue is, is um, uh, a powerful word to me. It actually means there uh, to dominate, to tread, to, to, um, to subdue, to bring into subjection. And so this is the idea that God came. And he created man, and out of our relation, he's always a God of relationship. Out of our relationship with him, that we would co-labor with him, and that we would be the ones who had authority and rule and reign in the earth. That it was our position as sons of God. And this, this doesn't diminish God. I believe it actually talks about a God who is willing to, um, who is willing to actually make himself vulnerable to the desires of people when he made them. And he said, you dominate the earth. <laughs> And so he put uh, man in charge in the earth. It's interesting uh, to me. He puts him in charge of the garden in Genesis 2, verse 15. In Genesis 2, verse uh, 19, he brings the creatures to Adam. He brings the animals to Adam. And he looked at, uh, he, 
And, and the Bible says here, uh, two verses, and whatever Adam called every living creature, that was his name. And it says right before that, and oh, let me just read it. And out of the ground, this is Genesis 2, verse uh, 19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every wild beast and living creature of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam and to see what he would call them. That's a fascinating verse to me, that God actually brought the animal to Adam and then said, what are you going to name them? And, um, and it's interesting to me because I don't know if Adam supernaturally knew the attributes that these animals, that God had in these animals, or when he named them, he actually called them into their destiny. You think about that one for a while. <laughs> so what was happening here is man in walking with God, in relationship with God, man in walking with God, he would actually be, became God's delegated representative on the earth. He became, he became a representative of God who lived in heaven, and he became this representative that would uh, delegate the ways of God upon the earth, and he would actually bring heaven to earth. That's why Paul talks about us being citizens of heaven. What is a, an, a citizen or ambassador of heaven? A citizen or ambassador of heaven is one who comes from another country and goes to the other country and brings the ideas and the concepts to another country. And so when you became born again, you came from a different world. You became part of the citizens of a different world, and you came with the realm of that world to able to influence this world. Why is that important? Because my life is not determined by the economy here. My life is not, is not built around that. But it's also a bigger concept that God had in mind. And, and we, we understand that, that sin, the, we, we had a sin problem. I don't know if you know. <laughs> Adam and Eve forfeited their God-given authority as co-laborers in the earth when they chose to eat the forbidden fruit. See, God never, this is, this is fascinating to me about God. God never forces anyone to do anything. That's why he gave man free choice. And the only place as a born-again believer that the enemy can have in you, this is really important. Ah, the devil, the devil, the devil. I know the devil is real big. I, I, I'm not one of those people who's like, come on, devil. I'm not, I'm, I got enough stuff. <laughs> Just living out my life. But the only place that the, that the enemy has in your life is when you come into agreement with did God really say? That's the only inch that the enemy had. Uh, Jesus makes an incredible statement in John 14. The evil one has nothing in me. And so the only place the enemy can have an inch in your life is when you actually come into agreement with what he's saying. So the battle is right here. And so his idea was, okay, you know, God always has like a, a plan. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Sin entered the earth, and God would now choose a nation of people that could reflect his value system and way of thinking. As they served him, his intention, God's intention, was to raise up a Messiah among them and give them, and through this nation, all the nations of the earth would serve God. Who was that nation? It was Israel. The nation God chose was Israel. God's heart for restoring the planet was once again revealed in the life of Abraham. Look at um, Genesis 26, verse 4. And I will make your descendants and multiply as the stars of the heavens. And I will give to you, to, to your posterity, all these kingdoms. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And I will bless them. So what's he saying? He said, I'm going to take you. I'm going to make a nation out of you. And out of the nation that I make out of you, I'm going to bless the nations of the earth. Because his heart was, once again, to take back what was lost. Uh, 
um, Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. We often refer that to salvation. You can use whatever you need to do to get saved. But I think what he's really saying there is lost dominion. How many know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit weren't sitting up in heaven and saying, what are we going to do? We've lost dominion in the plan. We didn't plan for it. Jesus came to restore that authority back to us. Exodus 19, the, the last, when, when God is talking about the covenant he's making with this nation, it's here. So, uh, verse 5. Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you obey me in truth and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own peculiar possession and treasure among above all peoples, and for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and set apart for the worship of God. These are the words you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses called for the elders and the people and told them which, which the Lord had commanded him. The people answered, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words to the people. So he actually comes into covenant with the nation. Uh, last part of verse 5 is really important to me. Because he says there, for all the earth is mine. That was the desire of God through a nation. And I, I, I just don't have time to get into it. Obviously, Jesus was the complete fulfillment of that. Obviously, the nation of Israel didn't completely fulfill the call of God that God had on their life. But the nation of Israel is still on God's heart. Uh, Romans 11, the giftings and the callings of God are irrevocable. God's call upon the nation is still there. And that's why we need to pray for Israel, uh, Psalm 22. <laughs> We're blessed when we pray for Israel. But what I want to focus on is there was a moment in history where it actually revealed what God wanted to do through a nation in moments of time if he could just find somebody to come into agreement with. And what God is looking for in this town, in through this church to this thing that the Lord is doing here, I'm sorry, I just used the word thing, I don't know any other way to put it, is he's looking to build a community of people here, and I believe the life of Solomon offers a picture into the biblical potential of how the kingdom can operate through a certain group of people. Here's the first point I want to make. Solomon was called into his prophetic destiny by Nathan the prophet. That's the first point I want to make. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24 through 25, this is how he amplified, makes it louder. (laughs) Now think about this. God raised up this unique king, and he actually made him an heir to David, and he came from a a relationship that started illegitimate. So that gives you a whole lot of hope. How many know that when God planned your life, when he planned your destiny, he knew all the stupid mistakes you would make? Uh It gives you courage to live without those mistakes. So many people, especially even inside the church, they live in the realm of, of, of uh, condemnation, guilt because of mistakes, even after they become born again. So guess what? Ask for forgiveness, get free, and move on with your life. David comforted Bathsheba and his wife, comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went in and lay with her, and she bore a son, and she called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved the child. He sent a message by the hand of the of Nathan the prophet, and Nathan called the the boy's special name, Jediah, beloved of the Lord, because the Lord loved the child. Bathsheba calls her her son Solomon, which means peace and extraordinary wise man. There goes that whole idea of naming things. (laughs) He was the wisest man that ever lived. And at his birth, he began to get his destiny. 
the prophetic voice in the nation rises up and gives him a special name, which means beloved of the Lord. The Lord is calling you as a people, as a, as a body, to be that prophetic voice to people's lives. To be that voice, a prophetic anointing, to me, at least speaking, is, is not somebody who can tell every, every, everything that's wrong with somebody else. <laughs> and be like, I'm like, I'm prophetic too. No, you're critical. And you don't know the love of God, because if you knew it, a prophetic, a prophetic voice can look at somebody who's made the worst mistakes in their life and say to them, God knows the mistakes you've made, but here's where he wants to take you. They can see beyond. They see the gold in people. You don't need a Ph.D. to look at a pile of dirt and tell me that there's a pile of dirt over there. But what you need is the keen, prophetic voice in the, in the, in the, in the heart of God to call people into their destiny. And that's what you're called to as a people of God, to call people out of darkness and into light, to declare the goodness of God, to tell them where they're going, to tell them, to tell them that there is good news. So this prophet stands in the place. He stands between God and man. And how many of you know, according to Acts 23, verse 25, we are the sons of the prophets. The world is looking for a voice. The world is looking to this town. The world is looking for you as a people of God, for that voice, to be that voice, to call them into their destiny, to be that voice that tells them there's something greater than this. There's something even greater. There's a destiny that God has for you. See, the name destiny is even prophetic because people will come in here and they won't know why they're in here, but suddenly they'll begin to realize their destiny. There's going to come a time where it's a, it's a whole army that the Lord is raising up in the earth. It's like when, when, uh, when, the, when Saul got around the sons of the prophets and he had never prophesied, but because he got around an atmosphere that was created. They said, is Saul also among the prophets? And a man who battled insecurity, who could never battle it, at one time began to walk in his destiny because he got into a place where somebody called out the greatness in him. So he was called into his prophetic destiny. Number two, Solomon's father come, called, him, uh, called him into alignment. Solomon's father, David, called him into the purposes of God for his life. You see, what you have to realize, if, if you are really going to be a kingdom church, and I believe that, that the decisions that you make now, the decisions that you make in the next year to two years, will determine where people ten years after you go. David, as a good father, nurtures a prophetic word over his son's life, and he helped pray his son into a visitation. We have to stop making decisions just based upon where we're at and, and where we're going to be a year or two years from now. We have to build an inheritance for a generation that we have yet to see and yet to live. I want to build an inheritance for people that come after me for my own natural sons and daughters, that they don't have to wait till they're 23 years old to see somebody come out of a wheelchair. They don't have to wait till they're 20 to begin to prophesy. Where they're born into, that's what I'm talking about, this culture, this atmosphere where things just happen because God is so prevalent, where people are instantly called into their destiny. And the decisions, uh, the decisions that you make today as a church will determine where you're going. David set up his son for a visitation. Look at 1 Chronicles 22, verse 12. Only may the Lord God give you wisdom and understanding as you and put in charge of Israel, that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. He's actually telling him, he says, keep the law 
And may the Lord only give you wisdom. And David made preparations for his son to build a temple where God could dwell. And leaves him the plan so he could build the temple. I mean, you know the story. David says, I want to build a temple. Nathan the prophet comes back, do, do all that is in your heart. Then he comes back and said, no, you've shed too much blood. But your son will be able to build. That's really what kingdom thinking, kingdom thinking is multi-generational. That just because uh, the decisions I make might not affect me directly, I'm setting you up to go into something greater than I've ever walked in. But we really need to be secure in the love of the Father to do that. Because if we're not secure in who we are in God, then your, your success threatens me. Because I base my value in the kingdom of my success and my position. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is built for the Lord must be exceedingly mag- magnificent of fame and glory throughout all the lands. I will therefore make preparations for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. I always say, I, I, I feel like I have this vision. I feel like I have this dream. And I don't know if I'll see everything that I desire to see or that the Lord's called even our ministry to do. But I tell you what, I'm going to die trying and I want to leave an inheritance for those who come after me to do it. It's crucial. I feel like in this next year, the Lord wants to build a foundation for the next 10, 12 years of your church. It's crucial that you connect with the voice of God and understand where he wants to take you. And understand that while you might not even understand the decision that you're making, you determine where you're going the next 12 years. Often, uh, often people, uh, leaders will ask me or they ask me to come in on a problem. And what I begin to quickly discern is the problem appears here in, in 2008, but the problem began 20 years ago. When they chose to make certain decisions that are, as a body. And so what begins to happen is we need to repent for maybe not making the right decisions or whatever it may be. See, we, we often look at them. Why are, we, why are we struggling financially as a church? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And the decision started 15 or 12 years ago. His father leaves him an inheritance, but it is from the place of visitation that David actually builds a dwelling place for God and a place where he can govern the nation. Look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 12. And so... Uh, David prays that uh, his, he, he teaches his son. He actually prays that his son would have wisdom. And then he prepares his son to meet the moment of visitation. And uh, the Lord is, uh, as a church, I believe the Lord is, is uh, allowing you to make the decisions to, to believe God for a visitation for people to come. And as a place of destiny, he wants to make this a place where you can actually begin to enter in to what God has for you through visitation from heaven. In Gibeon, the Lord, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and he said, Ask what I shall give you. Solomon said, You have shown to your servant David, my father, great mercy and loving kindness, according as he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. That's really amazing to me because Solomon had... Uh, uh, yeah, he had adultery. He murdered somebody. He's talking, and, and God is actually talking in this visitation of the integrity that he had. God's view of things is sometimes a whole lot different than us. And that you have given him a son to sit on his throne that day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a lad in wisdom and experience. 
I know not how to go out or to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people who cannot be counted for multitude. So give your servant an understanding mind and a hearing heart to judge your people so that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge and rule this, your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked. And God said, Because you have asked this and have not asked for long life or riches for the lives of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to what is right, just and right. Behold, I have done as you have asked, and I have given you a wise and discerning mind, so that no one before you was your equal, and nor shall any arise after your equal. His dad prepared him for his moment, but he still needed to make the right decision. Now this is a, a really important thing for me. He has the wisdom of God. God grants him wisdom, and what does he do? He builds a dwelling place for God. New Testamently speaking, or, or I, I, I believe that the Lord wants to visit in this hour geographic places where I actually believe He wants to visit cities, that there's going to be cities known as His glory, where people will drive through cities and, and, and because of the glory and the presence and the open heaven in that city, they'll begin to, uh, they'll begin to come under the influence of a powerful God. And suddenly drug addiction, suddenly things that they've dealt with begin to fall off. Not because anyone told them any, about anything, but they entered into an atmosphere where the kingdom was greater than the kingdom of Jesus. See, what we call a miracle is actually one kingdom overthrowing another kingdom. And he built a place where God could come. But the greatest place that God can build where he could come is right here. I remember I was praying one day, and uh, I'd been doing this for a number of years, and I'd been prophesying, and I've seen visions and things like that of the Lord coming to cities and, and God coming to stadiums and, and all that stuff. <laughs> and the Lord challenged me. He said, you know, it, you know, you were right. You, know, you, you followed me when you were saying those things. But why don't you begin to declare, why don't you begin to declare that the glory of God becomes your temple? And he challenged me, he said, as much as it wants to come to cities, the down payment of that is me coming in the lives. And when we come into that place where we are the temple of God, where everywhere we go, we, we come with this understanding, this awareness that Christ in us, the hope of glory lives. And I want to do nothing to allow myself to, to, to hinder that flow through me. We become the temple of the living God. That's why I always say revival is a way of life. And that everywhere I go, every place that I go, God comes. He comes on an airplane to a young guy like he was on Friday. He was all drugged out, and I began to tell him about his destiny. He comes in restaurants. He comes wherever you'll go. He comes wherever you'll invite him. He wants to find a dwelling place, not only in you, but in this place. Really, you have to ask yourselves when you really say, God come, do you really know what you're asking? He's looking for a dwelling. The Lord spoke to me about four years ago. He said, I'm looking for a place to land. So what do you mean? He said, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, he never left him because he never found anything in Jesus that would breathe. He would have to. He said, that's Jesus. But Jesus was fully God, fully man. And every miracle he did was as man in right relationship. And he became a prototype. 
He became the second Adam, and he offers to us an invitation of the potential of what we could be, number one, if we're forgiven of sins. Number two, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, greater works shall they do. And he's looking for a place in So I always say, God just doesn't want to touch you. He wants to wreck you. Touch is where God is, where we're at right now. <laughs> Solomon built a place where God could dwell. At the center of God having what could be labeled as a renaissance period in the nation's history, God had a dwelling a symbolic picture of what the Lord wants to do, that if he can find a dwelling place, he can find a city, he can find a nation, he can find a region where he can dwell. I'm telling you, this is just not something that I thought was really good preaching and maybe would make me successful. This is something that this is something that drives me every day. Oh God, you did it once in history. Where Atlantic City, New Jersey, there was only three people who were not born again. Where in Spokane, Washington, there were only three people who were not who were who were sick because of the glory that was there. Where Finney would walk into a factory, all he did was visit the factory, but that God came because he hailed he held the tangible presence of God. God wants to give you a visitation that actually changes your spiritual DNA. Where things actually where realities actually shift because of the things that you said. Where one word from heaven actually shifts the atmosphere in your office. He's given us the privilege of co-laboring with him. To make his dominion our dominion. So that the King of kings and Lord of all will be glorified in everything that you do. He said, I'm not called to preach. You don't have to be called to preach. When I say live filled with the Spirit, I mean that you live a life intoxicated. With everything that he touches, reflects the glory of God. God is going to take over the arts. There's art now that they put in in uh, in uh, quote unquote secular. I don't even like that word because it means void of God. But they'll put it in 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 these art shows and people who 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 uh, who had these uh, paintings who painted them during worship times. People will begin to walk by and they'll begin to fall on their knees and they'll begin to cry. They say there's something different about that painting. Because everything that we everything that we touch can reflect business, education. I just believe God has the answer. Number six, Solomon reaffirmed covenant with God after his visitation. We have a covenant with God. God is a God of covenant. The body and blood of Jesus was too costly for us to live a life blessed in what Jesus intended to give us. If all he died was for forgiveness of sin, I could be happy. But he died for so much. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. It's a bad translation. Actually, the New Century uh, translation says, whatever you allow is what I won't allow. And whatever you allow is what I'll allow. And so the Lord is calling you as a people of God to release the greatness of heaven, to call your city into destiny, 
to be this place where He can dwell and abide among you and to call this city into its prophetic destiny, to call it into its greatness. Some people like to say, oh, San Francisco, it's a, it's a place of judgment. But the, really what it is, it's a refuge for God. San Francisco, named after a saint, named after a mighty man of God. Because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And God wants to make you the answer to that prayer. I've had, I've had, I've had uh, pictures. I was praying one day, and I, was, and I saw a movie theater quite like this. And they played, it was, I wasn't in a service. The Lord brings me into this movie, and after the movie, it comes into an altar call. Because there's things about to be released in this hour that you've never seen. He reaffirmed covenant with God. God is imprisoned in the bodies of unbelieving believers. He wants out. Number seven, Solomon had a unique wealth and demonstrated the wisdom of God in a unique way. This is what I mean. This nation came into this place. The idea was God was take this nation to reflect the very greatness of heaven. And not just in the spiritual things, but everything that they touch could reflect God. It's a place of destiny. Your destiny may not be to preach the gospel, but your destiny is to reflect the glory of God in every area. Second Chronicles 1 verse 15. The king made silver and gold in Jerusalem as common as stone. They made cedar as plentiful as the sycamores of the low of the low. I don't know about you. That's pretty impressive to me. His wisdom turned the hearts of foreign rulers to the heart of God. Through the story. Queen of Sheba. Second Chronicles nine, verse five through nine. She said to the king, the report which I heard in my own land of your acts and sayings of your wisdom was true. And I did not believe the words until I came and my eyes had seen it. Behold, the half of your greatness of your wisdom has not been told of me. You surpassed the fame that I have heard of Happy are your wives and men. Happy these are your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Now watch this because this is the whole thing. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted you and set you on his throne to be the king for the Lord your God. Because your God loved Israel and established them forever. He made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, a very large quantity of spices and precious stones. Such spice was not everywhere as, it, as that which the queen, queen of Judah gave There's another uh, verse which I won't read in there. And the queen begins to comment not on the temple, not on anything else. But she begins to comment about how he had set up his table. Uh I don't know about you, but nobody's ever come to my house and said, the way you set up that table, that really reflects God.
then I think that they lived under an inferior tongue. And Paul said that the glory revealed in the second covenant. And I think of the potential that we could live as believers. I think of the potential even that they lived in the book of Acts, where the whole city was filled with the doctrine. And my heart begins to burn for something greater than we've ever seen. And I believe today that the Lord would just bring this word to tell you that what you see in front of you is not what God intended. And the reality of the destiny, destiny person, the reality of what God's called you is so much greater. He hasn't called you just to build a nice church, and your church is going to grow. He hasn't called you just to build some nice ministries. He's called you with the grace to put upon the inside of you, to take a city, to take a region, to take a state, to cause a toppling effect in this region. I believe that a group of people who come into agreement with God, just like 120 did in the upper room, Often, the Lord always just spoke to me. He goes, I'm just looking for agreement. Just like 120 got in an upper room, and they came in agreement with what God said. And suddenly, the Bible says, a sound from heaven came. It was the sound of God's voice being released into the earth. It was a sound of something tangible happening, and something over this city shifted. And the same people who cried out, crucify him, crucify him, were now saying, what must we do to forget? Only weeks before, but because they got in line with what heaven was saying, something shifted. And God has called you to be a place that shifts the atmosphere over this region. God has called you to be a people that shifts realities, that not just has a good word on Sunday and a good message, but has the reality that answers the questions that people are asking. They're not looking for overtly Christian solutions, but if you become the solution to a problem that they're asking, they'll come to you. We can become the solution for the problem of AIDS. Instead of saying it's God's judgment, why don't we become the answer to the problem? Jesus never gave AIDS to anyone because he didn't have it to give. We become the answer to ADHD. I just believe that God wants to give the people of God answers to problems like that. To you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Who is he talking to? He was talking to his disciples, those closest to him. Because he's willing to share his secrets. He loves us all the same, that's true. But he gives secrets to his friends. Because he can't just unveil himself to everyone in the room. Because if he unveiled all the secrets of the universe, if he told you everything that he knew that governed the world, if he told you everything that he knew about your destiny, and he knew that you wouldn't be obedient, you were going to stand before him one day and he'd have to judge you. So my posture is, Lord, give me a willing heart to everything that you say. Don't give me more than I can handle in this moment. But he wants to give you everything. He wants to overwhelm you. He wants to do things that he's never done before. And I know many of you, this is not a harsh word, but I'm saying there's more. I know many of you are hungry for more. You're you're desperate for more, but I'm telling you, 
the reason that he'll so come and touch you is to put a grace upon your life that you're willing to say, whatever you do, whatever you want, that's what I want. I, I, I end up in some really crazy meetings. Huh? And some people can't even make it into a meeting sometimes. That's a good meeting. And I believe we're about to enter a period of time where we don't know if we're in a meeting or at church, but God's showing up. I just have this foolish dream that I'll walk in to Walmart one day, and I don't know if I'm at a charismatic, goofy conference or Walmart, but I just know that God's showing up. I think like that. I'm not interested in just seeing how many conferences I can do. I'm interested in building and being part of a momentum movement that can change the course of history. And that's what you're called. That's why people come so alive when they begin to hear stories about the supernatural acts of God in history. Because it declares to them, this is what you want. Not just me doing the miracle. Not just me giving a nice prophetic word. But you calling people into the reality of who they are. Because that's what you were born. You were born out of a place of intimacy with God. You would hear the voice of your father and destroy the works of hell. Because when you get to heaven, there's no devil that you can destroy. I'm really excited about going to heaven. But in the meantime, I want heaven here upon the earth. Because the reality of the world that we can see now becomes a down payment for things to come. I really believe that what will happen in the end times will be determined by what the people of God become. Think about that. We don't need more classes on evangelism. I believe that. We don't, know, we don't need more classes on this, on that. What we do is we need to create environments where people connect with God and we don't tell them stories about a God that they don't even know. Not against class, but it was Jesus who said, Pray the Lord sent forth the The harvest is fun. The laborers. What's it saying? He said, The accurate representations of me are really few apart. So pray that people actually reflect him. Because he's the one who called himself the desire. Why would you ever say no? So God, grace, love, he was accurately represented. The problem is he's been misrepresented by people who do it in the name of God. Sorry. Sometimes I talk with people and they're leaders in the body of Christ. I love working with all people. But the Lord's, and I'm closing here. We can stand. Um, I work with all sorts of people. I work with all sorts of different streams, and I love them all. I'm everything. I'm word of faith. I'm charismatic. I'm Pentecostal. I'm everything. But sometimes I realize that I don't subscribe to the same Christianity as some people. Saying I love you, but I don't know if we could ever work together because 
I just believe that God loves me. Judgment is coming, but plan A is love. Mercy. Did that make sense? That was... Uh-huh.